Welcome to the podcast of Grace Covenant Church, where we are transformed by God's grace, connected through relationships, and committed to service. All right, today let's talk about freedom that we have in Galatians. And today I'm especially excited about telling you about um, how to be a minister. Pop quiz. Okay, I'm just a pastor here, but you are the... That's right. We should say that a little louder with boldness, right? Because I'm just a pastor, but you're the ministers. That's exactly right. And today, what I'm, I'm thrilled about is today has, is four sentences that were absolutely the most helpful sentences in the Bible for me when I was young and new at ministry. Uh, it started in the 90s or so, early 90s. Uh, my sister, my older sister, had her whole life took a drastic turn for the worse. In just a couple of years, um, she was a divorced, uh, her husband was having an affair while they were pregnant with their second. And so now the, the divorce is final and she has a three-year-old son and a newborn son. And while all of this is happening, uh, she, there's, a gang has moved in four houses down and they are terrorizing the neighborhood. They are so brazen that when my sister's next door neighbor, a pretty big hulking guy, whenever he'd come out in his yard to work on the yard or the house, they would come down in, in a car packed, filled with the guys, right, windows down, mocking him and making fun of him. And he was a policeman. And he moved. He didn't want to raise his family on that street. And then after a test, and then another test, and a formal test, and then a final test, my sister was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. Perfect. A long, hard life ahead. If that weren't enough, being a single mother of two boys on a terrible block. And so, you know, the family and friends rallied uh, behind her, and we were, you know, I was 90 miles north. She's in San Antonio, and I'm here just getting started at Grace, I think, and going down as much as I could to help fix her house and get things uh, working. And, uh, and it, I, I must tell you, uh, it was a very difficult thing for me, and it was tearing me apart. Uh, I, was, I, was, uh, I couldn't eat. I mean, I lost my appetite because there was so much grief and sorrow inside of my soul. I just, the thought of eating would just make me, you know, um, sick. And then at night... I'd go to bed, and all I would do is think about you know, the, the gang down the street terrorizing my sister with her two children, and I would, you know, it'd be nice to pray, but I was praying to Rambo, you know, what would Rambo do? <laughs> and you don't sleep. I, was, I went days with just a few hours of sleep, and uh, I, I would, the problem was I wanted to take her problems from her. I wanted to take her MS. I wanted to take her singleness raising those boys. And I, I, wanted, I wanted to help everything, and I wanted to fix everything. And it was such a, a detriment to my physical, emotional, and spiritual health. Finally, Melinda intervened and said, You've got, you have to call someone that knows what to do here. Why don't you call one of your old professors at seminary and ask them what you're supposed to do here? And so I did, and I called him, and he gave me... The best advice I had ever heard about being a minister in my whole life. Four sentences. We're going to look at those sentences today. It is how to be a minister. Every believer at Grace, every believer is a minister. Take good notes. This is how to do ministry. Chapter 6, 
verses 2 through 5. These are the, this is where he turned me in my Bible. He said, read it, Matt. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he's something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to anyone else. Each one should carry his own load. And we're in our second week on living in community together. This is how to live in community. These sentences here are going to help us uh, be ministers. Every believer is a minister. This is ministry 101. We are designed to do ministry. God has arranged all of life and history for you to do ministry. He has good works in Jesus Christ for you to do that were arranged before the planet was cooling. And like it says in Galatians chapter 5, look what it says. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Do this with your freedom. Serve one another humbly in love. The entire law is fulfilled in keeping one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Today, we're going to learn how to love our neighbor effectively. Today, we're going to learn how to be an effective minister, maybe more effective than we've ever been, because these are the fundamentals. And furthermore, if we apply this you know, accurately, and it might take some time to do that, if we apply this effectively, then we can be a minister longer, because, you, because you're in it for the long haul. You're um, you won't burn out, in other words. You won't suffer from over-giving, um, right, from compassion fatigue. This passage will save you from compassion fatigue and will help you be a more effective minister. The whole law is summarized in this one phrase, love your neighbor as yourself. What is love? Just to review, love is this. Love is pursuing the growth of another person. Love is pursuing the maturity of the other person. Love is not doing what another person wants you to do. Love is not necessarily giving a person something uh, that makes them comfortable or happy. Love is not doing something so that they like you. Love is seeing what they need to kind of plow through to the next level of maturity. If you know someone deeply you can, and you study their souls, you can custom make a, a love-your-neighbor strategy just for them because they're going to have different challenges that other people will have. And so you're listening to God and saying, how can I love this person? Okay, so that's what we're doing. We're learning how to love. That's what ministry is, loving each other to this place of maturity. How do you want to learn how to love? Chapter 6, verse 2. Starts right there with carrying burdens. Verse 2 says, carry each other's burdens. In this you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens. Okay? No one is self-reliant. No one is self-sufficient. The whole definition of community is to live together in an interdependent way, right? We're not independent of each other. We're interdependent. And the idea here is that a burden is, the word there is, is very strategically used. We'll see that later on. But the word burden means um, an unbearable weight, right? a crushing amount of circumstances or life that one person cannot endure and the way you love your neighbor, the way you fulfill the law of Christ, and the law is to love your neighbor as yourself, is to come along and say, hey, can I help you with that? How, can I help carry this for you? And so when usually they're a season of life, a, per, a personal tragedy happens in someone's life and they can't, do, they can't keep all the plates spinning anymore. Sometimes it's an illness. 
Sometimes um, we're consumed by a personality or a, a temptation where we try as much as we can and, we, and it's bigger than us. It's become a burden. You know, if the piano, if I, hey, you know, I'm not going to move the piano down to the floor here, down a few flights of steps, and I start doing that on my own, wouldn't it be, it's a crushing weight for the, for the love of the piano, right? Help me. Because here's the thing. When you, when you share, you know, burdens, you are fulfilling the love of Christ. And if nothing else, practically speaking, if, if you are being helped in a burden, it's helping you. I know it sounds obvious, but when you're being helped and under a burden, it is helping you. And so you're, sometimes your house is getting fixed by friends and meals are getting served that wouldn't be otherwise because you can't at the moment. Or maybe some money's come in for a period of time so that you can get back on your feet. It's helping you. And listen, I, we won't belabor this point too much because this church is famous for helping. And I know some of you have been involved in helping other people and, and, have, and have enjoyed the, you know, I guess the, the idea of being used by God in that way. And especially if you're involved in our adult communities that meet on Sunday morning or in our midweek studies, our life groups, if something happens to you, one of these burdens come along your way, uh, this church is is notorious for mobilizing immediately and helping carry that load. So you guys keep up the good work. But in, in, kind of the, in, in applying this, this helping you is helping you, there's some of you, and I am shaking my finger, and I don't do that a lot, but some of you need to learn to take help. Yeah, I heard it too, right? Some of you need to learn to take help when you're under a burden. Because you're not self-reliant, and that's not the goal. The goal is to be interdependent in community so that you actually need other people. And maybe some of the things in life are brought your way so that you would ask for help. Not just because if, if you, you know, are sharing a burden and your burden is being shared, it helps you. You know what? It helps me to help you. It helps me to help you because, right, we are all designed to be ministers. That's, that's, we, we get to be, you know, the heart and the voice and the hands, the strong back, whatever it might be for other people. And again, let me remind you that it says that uh, we were made for good works in Jesus Christ. And so when you say, no, no, I have this, I can take this piano off the stage all by me, you're, you're, not only are you going to wreck that piano, okay, and probably your back, but enough about you. You're not giving us a chance. You're not giving other people a chance to share a burden and enjoy that. Don't take ministry away from other people, okay? There it is. So, simple application here, okay? Help someone in a burden. This would be a great thing. I, we do it so well. I, again, I, I don't want to spend very much time in it, but you know, look for an opportunity to help someone with some yard work or move someone into a house or cook someone a meal that is in a different, difficult situation. Or if, if you haven't done that in a while, pray. And I'll bet within a week something's going to happen. Look for an opportunity for someone that is overrun, you know, just crushed underneath circumstances of life so that you can come in and help them. And the second one, again, which is more appropriate in this crowd, you people. 
You need to learn to receive help. What is the, what is the sentence again? You know, the, all, the, all of the law is summarized in this one sentence, this one phrase. Love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, it's a two-way street then. You like helping other people. Let other people help you, okay? Just, in, just admit it, and then don't feel guilty. It'll take practice, but don't feel Enjoy it. Okay, your broken foot or whatever, just drink your iced tea and let someone else do the work, okay? And enjoy it. Take some practice. But there, that's for us. Okay, you want to be an effective minister? Right? Every, every believer is a minister. You want to be an effective minister? First thing you need to learn how to do is to bear one another's burdens, to understand that um, there's a crushing weight, usually circumstances beyond a person's control, and, and you need to be there to help them do that. The second thing it says in verses 3 and 4 is you can't, don't be comparing yourself with one another. Don't be comparing yourself with one another. Look at verse uh, 3 and 4 here. If anyone thinks they are something when they're not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone, not comparing themselves to someone else. So this is the second week we've talked about community living. This is the second time we've heard about not comparing. Last week it was, you know, don't be conceited. And this one is don't be comparing because when you compare yourself with other people, you're gonna, it's, it's going to go one way or the other, right? You're going to either think you're better or inferior. And both superiority and inferiority, it's going to keep you from asking for help maybe when you're in a burden or even giving help. You might be so insecure, it's like, I, I, don't, I can't ask for help. Or you might be judging someone else and looking at their burden and, and thinking that's not that big a deal. They should, they should do it on their own, maybe. But the point is that your self-concept, okay, the Christian self-concept is not to look at other people. It is to constantly look kind of at ourself and what God is doing in our life. And that's why he said you can have something to brag about. You can have pride in what God is doing in your life. Because, every, see, every life is so different, right? We have different temperaments, so it's easier for one person to be loving and patient than it is for another. This other person might be easy at being courageous and bold. So everybody has their own path, and we can't be judging another person's path. We can't be judging another person's place in their path. What we can do is look at our life and say, okay, are we where we should be? Right? And so... And the power of the Christian faith is that we, we can have, um, I guess one author said, micro guilt. We go to bed and we go, you know what, I should be farther along. Not compared to anyone else, but in light of what God sh- should be doing in my life if I would let him, micro guilt. But we never suffer from macro guilt. Like, I, I'm not right with God. I am, I am desired by God. I am loved by God. He loved me so much he gave his own son for me. So there's no macro guilt but there's, hey, how am I progressing? And sometimes, even the passage says this, you, you can have a sense of pride in what God is doing in your life. Okay? So the church is like the epicenter of non-judgmentalism because we all fully understand you know, where we are, how unique our path is, how, how long we should be uh, going on, right? So an effective minister. Every believer is a ministry. You want, to do, you want to stay in this for a while? You want to be effective? You, you want to, like, do it in a way that you're designed to do it? Absolutely. First thing you do is you bear one another's burdens, and you let other people bear your burden. 
The second thing is you don't compare. And the third one, very interesting, load carrying, okay? And, and what I've done is I've put verse 2 and verse 5 together because they look like they're actually conflicting with each other or con- contradicting each other, and that's where the power is. Look at verse 2 and 5. Carry each other's burdens, and this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Each one should carry their own load. Okay, so here's the thing. This is the sentence that changed everything, these two sentences together. It says, okay, we're, bar- we're to carry each other's burdens, and we're also to carry our own load. Looks like a conflict, looks like a contradiction. The word choice and the subtlety here is where the power lies. Because okay. burden, we've already described and defined as this crushing weight, an unbearable weight for one person to handle. Load is, uh, I think, where we get the word portion, right, or pack. It was the idea of a backpack or a hiking pack. It's one person's kind of carrying load. So an effective minister bears one another's burdens. We're going to help you with this piano. But everybody has to carry their own backpack. You carry your own back, and you let other, and you let other people carry their pack. See how it's two ways? I carry my own pack, my own load, and I insist that you carry your own load. I can't carry your load, okay? The load, the pack, right, not necessarily light, okay? There are some people that have very thick, heavy backpacks, and I, don't, I can't explain why. That's just the way life works sometimes, and that's where we go back to not comparing. Sometimes you have a super light one, other people have a heavy one. Maybe yours is heavy compared to someone else's, and you resent. Don't compare. It's your load. You carry your load. Don't compare. What goes in the pack? What's what's yours? Well, it's it's your responsibility. For generally speaking, generally speaking, it's your your choices. Okay, no one else makes your choices for you as an adult. You make your choices. You live with the consequences of your choices. That's in your pack. Um, uh, Your attitudes towards the consequences of your choices are in that pack. Your attitude and response to life and other people. No one can make you do anything. And that's part of it. So it's very difficult, okay, to, to, to give details about the difference between a burden, which we share, and a load, which we do not share. Because, again, there's so many variables. It, let's pretend. Um, I come inside. I say, hey, there's a car with a flat tire in the driveway. Who changes it? Okay. Well, if it's my car, it's my responsibility. I change it. If it's, it's my load, right? If it's Melinda's car, I'll change it because it's a burden to her because she has a truck and it's heavy and all that. I, I don't, so I'll do that. If it's one of the kids' cars, <laughs> if they're old enough to drive... They're old enough to change a tire. Me, I'm going to get some iced tea in a lawn chair and, in, and just like, I'm going to watch this happen. Right. Yeah. And if they don't change the tire, they don't drive the car. Right. So, so how do you love your neighbor? How do, you, how, do you, how do you deal with this difference between this? It seems so subtle, right? Between burdens and loads, between a crushable weight or a, a load or a backpack that's packed and filled. Right. And it seems like it's overwhelming. How do you know? Well, let's go back to the definition of love, and then, and then I'll give you some principles, okay? Look at the definition of love, and then we'll build on that definition with principles, okay? Love is, right, pursuing the growth of another person. It's pursuing the maturity 
of another person. That's how we love our neighbor. How do we do ministry when we don't know, and we're kind of negotiating whether it's a load or it's a burden, whether it's a backpack they have to carry and I can't carry it for them. The first one is this, when not helping them is helping them. By not helping them, it's helping them grow stronger, right? Because love is to point, point them towards independence and interdependence, rather, right? Not dependence on me and absolutely not codependence. So, um, you know, when a little child is young, you make them their lunch because making a lunch is a burden to them. It's more than they can handle when they get a little bit older, obviously, right? They make their own lunch or they don't eat because now it's their burden. And here's the thing. It's this progression. Here's the thing, because increasing weight in a backpack makes you stronger. So you start off life like this, a little kid's backpack, right? And then you go to a little teenager's backpack, and it's carrying those big books, and then there's like a military backpack, and then there's this guy's backpack, right? (laughs) But it's his pack. See? I mean, it's his pack, and some people are living this way. It's not a burden. It's a heavy load. Okay, and here's the thing. Heavy loads are what give us the power to break through to a new level of maturity. Heavy loads is what gives us the strength to conquer the fears that keep us back. And so I know it looks like it's a loving thing to do when you see a butterfly struggling in their cocoon to get out. But friends, it's the struggle that gives their wings the strength to fly. And if you just leave them with their own load, their own pack, and let them fight their way out of that cocoon, they can have wings that work and fly and be free. The, not helping them is helping them. And that's how it is with a lot of, like when it's dealing with, when you're dealing with something that's a load for someone, no matter how big. When not helping them is helping them, it's making them stronger. The second thing, it's very subtle. When helping them is not helping them. Oh, right? There's tongue-tied. It, when helping them is not helping them, it's making them weak or keeping them weak. Simple. Let's just follow the logic. Okay, love is bringing a person to a place of maturity. Right? That's what you want to do. Okay? How does a person become mature? They're going to have to change. Why do most people change? Because the current suffering is greater than the, than the suffering that's required for change. I mean, honestly, that's where most people will change because the current level of suffering has gotten to the point where they're going to have to change their choices and their lifestyle and whatever they're doing. And so if you're loving a person to maturity, sometimes, you know, life, their own consequences, they're putting in their backpacks, right? And, and it's getting to the point where it's finally brought them to a place where they're going to have to change and become more mature. And then you come in and say, here, let me take some of that, not burden, but some of that load for you. And you just short-circuited what could have been three years in the making of getting them to finally deal with something. And when, if you do this habitually, you, you need to ask why. There's something else happening here. So that you'd want somebody dependent upon you or codependent. May I quote an 80s rock song? I want you to want me. I need you to need me. 
I'd love you to love me. Cheap Trick had it right a long time ago. <laughs> if you keep rescuing, your helping them is not helping them. And some of you are older, right? You're adults now, and you had maybe were raised in a situation where they never let you kind of endure difficulties, and you're finding out again and again and again and again that life is hard. It is a fight. It is a brawl. It is a hike up a treacherous mountain, and you left the house with a Hello Kitty backpack. And that was not doing you any favors. Okay. You carry your backpack. You don't carry anyone else's backpack. Okay. You're helping them is not helping them. Most logical consequences and natural consequences go in your own backpack. You know, easy one, and this is where I see a fair amount of people fail, because they mean well, but they want to help people that are in financial trouble. And so someone comes to you, and it's desperate. If, if they don't make the payment this month, they're going to lose the house. And all they need is 1000 from you and maybe 1000 from someone else, and we can get another month ahead. Do you pay, or do you, let, do you sit back and watch? Well, it's a little bit like, it's a little bit like the flat tire. Who, I need to know more details, whether it's a burden or if it's a load. If it's a person between jobs simply, and they're a hard worker, it's one thing. If they're lazy or disrespectful or some other reason they're going through jobs, you, it's not, you're not helping them by helping them. I was listening to a uh, mortgage banking, you know, show on the, on the radio the other day because I'm an old, boring man. <laughs> this is what it looks like, you young people. This is, I'm, I'm listening to a mortgage show on the radio. Oh, I know. You know, I wanted to be a big wave surfer once, you know, and now it's a big so, anyway, here, there's a point. So, uh, a, a caller called in and said, hey, listen, I have $40,000 of credit card debt, and I can refinance my house, and I have so much equity in it, I could pay off the credit card right away. Would you be my mortgage banker so I can refinance and get out of all this debt? Over the radio, he said, absolutely not. Wouldn't touch it. And so his partner's going, wait, what, why don't you want to help this person? And he said, basically, helping him is not helping him. In the er early years of refinancing, I did this all the time. And for years, not one person, not one person got themselves out of debt. Every single person within one year was in the same amount of debt they were in before. So I'm not going to help this person because in a year from now, he will be in $40,000 of credit card debt again, but now with a higher right, house payment. Because the problem isn't being in credit card debt. The problem is being an impulsive buyer or not being content or living way outside your means. And this is not the solution. The solution is lose the house. Change your life. Go see a counselor. But it's not this. Sometimes helping them is not helping them. So, listen, if, I want you to know this church is famously generous to people, but we also follow what the Bible says. And so if you ever hear, and because people will go right through the roof when, they, you know, when it happens to them, but if you ever hear that someone called our church and asked for just money for food, okay, could I have like a, a gift card to a grocery store, and we say no, 
It's because we won't carry their load. We won't share a backpack with them. We will not intervene where God has finally brought them to a place where they have to do something about their life choices. This is why Paul sounds harsh. This is what love is. Look what Paul says in 2 Thessalonians 6. Look at the authority he appeals to, by the way. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that's all the titles, okay? In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers, to keep away from every brother who is lazy and does not live according to the teaching you received in us. And the context is verse 10. They're, they're, not, they're not paying for their food. For everyone, I'm sorry, for even when, you were, when we were with you, we gave you this rule. If a man will not work, he shall not eat. Helping him with his load is not helping him. And a growling stomach is just the motivational speaker to get a person to interview for a job. This is not cruelty. This is not vindictiveness. This is love. Paul wants this person to be mature, and the only way he's going to be mature is not to have the church help him with his load. Okay? So, Let's review, okay? We're trying to determine the difference between a burden and a load, right? Something that's crushing weight and something that's just a huge weight, but it's their own backpack, right? The first thing is that by not helping them, you're helping them. The second one is that by helping them, you're not helping them. And the third one is helping them is hurting you, okay? Helping them is hurting me. And that was my story with my older sister, right? When you, can't do, when you can't carry your load anymore because you're helping with someone else's stuff, it might be because you're carrying their load. This, this is kind of the least succinct of all three little principles to go by. But listen, if you're not, if, like I was uh, like abusing the freedom that I have in my work schedule because I was running to San Antonio and I wasn't taking care of my own family. I wasn't taking care of my own relationship with my wife. I'm not sure I was financially smart, Right? And I was taking on all the grief. And here's the thing. This was a really funny part of the conversation. This person likes to laugh at people when they're down. And so he's, he said, so tell me, Matt, how is your sister doing, you who can't sleep and can't eat? And he said, he, so he asked me that insightful question. And I said, you know, it's funny you should say that. Yeah, because of all the years of experience that you have. Uh, she's doing great. I mean, she's doing amazingly well. I mean, she's living, she'll tell you, I'm living each day, one day at a time. I can't think ahead. One day at a time. But you know what? I'm praying all the time now. I'm back studying my Bible. I'm actually joined a Bible study to help me through the grief of my divorce. And um, I, I really feel his presence. And I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid at all. And, and so I'm, I'm yelling kind of on the phone. Yeah, does, doesn't that beat all? I mean, she's having a great time and I'm the one twisting in the wind here. And he said, because it's not your load, Matt, God is giving her grace to carry her load. He will not give you grace to carry her load. He will not give you grace to carry her load. See how it works? So she's, she, she was that man sitting there with a backpack over his head carrying this huge amount of drama in her life. But God gave her the shoulders and the back and the spirit and the grace to carry that. He won't give it to me. It would be wrong. I shouldn't have been carrying it anyway. Let's apply this, okay? Let's apply this part with the load. One, one, carry your own load. Do you need, right, do you need to say to someone, hey, 
I know you've been meaning to help, but this one's on me. This is my responsibility. These were my choices. This is even my circumstance. This is my life. Let, let me have this back because I need to grow stronger for love. Make, I want to become a stronger, more mature, a complete follower of Jesus Christ. Give me my load back. Or second, maybe you could be a person where you could stop carrying someone else's load. Maybe you have to have the conversation where you, you sit down with a loved one, right? Maybe a family member or maybe someone that you're really attached to, and you just say, I think I've been doing this wrong. See, you know, me helping you is not helping you. I think not helping you would help you. And me helping you is killing me. And so I'm going to push this back. And, and maybe we taper a little bit, you know, in, in two months. I want to be completely away, but I want you to know God's grace can help you with this. And don't go to anyone else who's naive, who doesn't know the 101s of ministry. Please learn how to take your own load. It's your life. You carry it. Is that not an awesome set of sentences in a row to help you be a minister? I mean, isn't that just amazing? Everybody. Every believer is a minister. We are designed to do God's will. And he not only designs us to do God's will and good works in Jesus Christ, he gives us like this, ministry 101, right? So, that, so we have these sentences here that can help us be effective in ministry and be effective in long-term ministry where we're not burned out. We do not grow tired of doing good. You know how you do that? You share burdens. You do not compare and you carry your load and no one else's load. That will give you a life of ministry that's filled with miracles, excitement, joy, things that only God can do. In my sister's you know, situation, in my sister's case, it was, um, you know, we still went down, we helped her with the house, we, we bared burdens for her, but you know what? You know, those were her, those were her boys. That was her marriage. It was even her multiple sclerosis. It was hers. And God was giving her the grace to carry that all the time while living on a street with a street gang. That was hers. We did only what we could do and nothing more. And you know what happened? I mean, we were trying to push her into what? In kind of a, a self-sufficient single mother. And she became that. And she became a lot more than that, friends. In our family, she became our hero. We never treated her like that before. But to watch her be used by God the way that she was, ask around, we'll all tell you, the strongest, the most determined, the most powerful, the most resilient Cassidy that has existed in generations is my big sister, Casey. That's the power of ministry when it's done within the boundaries of loads and burdens. I pray for you, a fabulous life filled with ministry. Lord Jesus, give us that. Give us an understanding of, of how to apply this ministry 101, this, this way of living and ministering and caring for other people so that we can shrewdly, <laughs> the way you did, you turn people away you went the extra mile with others. Lord, give us that insight. If there's, Lord, if there's some people here that need the courage to, uh, 
to, you know, carry their own backpack maybe for the first time in a while, Lord, I'd ask that you, your spirit would give them that even right now, that your spirit would whisper sweetly to theirs, we can do this. And, and Lord, I, I'd ask if, if some conversations need to be had about giving and, and taking back of loads, that we would do that very soon so that we might all grow in our wisdom, in our maturity, in our fullness, in what the Spirit has for us, that we might be conformed to your image. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information about grace, visit our website at grace360.org.